Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. talked i'm gonna get ahead again okay because that's what i do we had talked about like we i had hoped that certain christopher stories would pay off yeah they super didn't they super didn't finish up and it's (laughs) frustrating i'm fucking dying i'm dying because ever since i finished this book i was like I have so many feelings. I don't know what to do with any of them. <laughs> I'm going to just figure it out when I talk to Alex and Tim about this book because I don't know what to do. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't know how much help I'll be because I'm kind of the same. Okay. Like, I feel like, I still feel like the stuff I want to finish up a certain way is going to finish up a certain way. Mm-hmm. I still f- feel that way. I still feel like we're going to end up in a good place. But man, is he making it difficult. He is like, I don't know. Yeah. We'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. I wrote my own ending um, okay. based on my fan fiction experiences of what I wanted to happen. Okay. <laughs> Should we share that now or after the recap? <laughs> I think I think after the recap. Okay. I'll that share I'll share okay. what I feel is going to happen cuz it's it's after this book that my fan fiction takes place. Yes. Yeah, so oh, okay. Okay. We just have okay. to remember to do that. Right. <laughs> Which is like that's something I'm learning as we keep going. It's like should I save this to the end or should I just say we it now? Never and I'm talk like, about it again. Like theoretically we should save it to the end, but we will forget to talk about it and then we'll be <laughs> yeah. listening back to this and being like, "Oh fuck." Let me add it to my notes right now <laughs> to explain my fan fiction. I will have you know, I didn't finish writing up my notes for the last chapter. I thought I'll remember it. Um so I'm glad that explaining fan fiction will take the place of the end of the notes. Okay. Okay. Fair. <laughs> and when you ex- you do your fan fiction, I'll tell the listeners my beautiful dream that I had last week about Oh yeah. Let yeah, me yeah, write yeah. this down. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful dream. I um uh, yeah. Like I didn't not like this half of book. Yeah. But I didn't get anything that I wanted out of this half of mm-hmm. book. So it is definitely not my favorite half of book. Let's put it that way. I could still get everywhere that I want to be. And Christopher still sucks and he chose some some terrible things. But like I don't I like I understood though some of the choices he made. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not, and I think I know which one you're talking about. I can, yeah. I get, I get a couple of them. I yeah. get a couple of them. They had to go a certain way. Yeah. 
I'm not I'm not terribly surprised by anything that happened. Like, insofar as like it didn't go the way I was expecting, but like I feel like everything that happened is still logical and in character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. like a lot of it. No. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. No. Yeah. And like I didn't get that thing that I had with David in the last book where it was like right. Oh, suddenly I understand you a lot more, and even right. if you know I have conflicted feelings about how I feel about you as a person, like I understand you, and I can like I can get on board with some of this shit. And I just did not have that moment at all with Christopher. See, and and that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Maybe in the next Christopher book, is that while David had his sort of like, okay, this is why we the way we are moment early in life, and we learned about it late. Maybe Christopher hasn't, he's just dumb kid, right? Yeah. And he's going to have his pivotal life moment as we're reading the story, and he's going to make the right choice, and better things will come of it. That's what I'm hoping for Christopher. Yeah, and I think you're going to get it, because this that this book to me feels like the setup to that. Yeah. yeah. Like, we are getting all the pieces of, like, why Christopher acts the way he acts, but he needs to have that, like come to Jesus moment of like, but now you have to make the right choice and overcome like why you were like that. Yes. Although I don't really, we don't really ever get a why he acts the way he acts. I think think we start to. You think? I think we start to. And I think it's, it's all within his home life. Like we start to get like how he doesn't have like a solid home life at all. And there's clearly... I think there's okay. a lot of references to alcoholism in the family as well. This is this is fair. That part, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So I think it's very much a, like he had a very unstable home life okay. and childhood. And we're starting to get the glimpses. Like, and where that comes, I'm just going to go ahead and skip ahead. Where that comes in for me is that when he gets home and his parents are fighting, he knows exactly where to go to hear the fight without getting the details. And like, that's his safe space. And like, he has a place immediately carved out that he has all these details. Like this isn't even close to his first rodeo. Like, yeah, that's true. mm -hmm. It's true. It's fair. So I think we're starting to get the glimpses, but it's a way slower burn than David's reveal, Mm -hmm. which is annoying. Cause I want it now. (laughs) Yes. Like I said, David's, pivotal parts were long in the past we yeah. just had to uncover them mm-hmm. and like yeah. i said i think we're just we're gonna watch chris's christopher's Christopher. unfold mm-hmm. yeah i agree and i think i i still i'm, I'm holding out he'll make he'll make the right choice mm-hmm. in in the end i feel i hope so i hope so i think so i'm not or he'll be the one that dies also possible. Also yeah. possible. He, um... Well, we'll talk about that when we get to recap. <laughs> okay, I but remember it. Just, I know, but remember I know. what just, we were going to do. I get too excited about certain parts of the book, and I'm like, I don't want to wait till we get there. Sure. I know. This is the... That almost felt like the beginning of a Dawson's Creek theme. And that was I don't want to wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't... Just going back to the he'll make the right choice thing. I don't... Oh, God. <laughs> Why would you do this? It's been a week since Tim has been able to oh, commit to you. the bit. Yeah. <laughs> the bit. Oh, my God. Can sorry, I... I didn't mean to interrupt there, Casey. No, no, no. I'm sorry. 
Okay, yeah, Casey, tell me your thing, and then I, <laughs> yeah, then yeah, I have yeah, to interrupt, probably... but tell me first. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just going to say, I don't know if Christopher will make the right choice in the way that we're thinking the right choice is, though. I kind of yeah. feel like he's going to do something that's right for him, but isn't maybe great for everyone else. That's just my prediction. Well, that's mm. very, very... Like, yeah. his reaction to Ganymede is the part that I was talking about that I didn't want to talk about. Yeah. Is like, that's, to me, not the reaction that was warranted in that situation. And we'll go over, like, why I feel that way. Like, it was, like, I'm like, bro, you gotta you gotta think a little bit different about the stuff that's going on here. And I, so, like, to your point, Casey, he could very well not be on the same, like, station that i am thinking of what the right thing would be Mm -hmm. yeah shall i start summarizing (laughs) yes i guess so yes don't cry it'll be okay i'm gonna do this and then we can go to our april books our lovely safe wonderful april books ready oh i might start reading that tonight yeah, yeah. you should read it now while i'm summarizing just <laughs> yeah. like to, let's roll right into the next one yeah <laughs> just as you're as you're doing it'll be like ooh, just yeah. randomly <laughs> get the live reacts of the april oh, book no, one like not. Yeah, sure <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay. all right in possibly the longest chapter summary that i've written i've writ- written written i have written for this entire thing um Christopher and the others wake up to an attack from the Hetlon. They are descending upon them and attacking them by chewing at them. April's hair is getting caught in their weird little mouth parts and Christopher is being gnawed apart. And they get up and start fighting with their fists and pushing, but it doesn't work because they're giant insects beasts. Christopher grabs the first thing he can find, which is a giant stick with two branches, and just starts swinging. But it doesn't work well. So he's like... Huh. And he's like looking around and looking at a stick and looking around. And he's like, hey, Jaleel, you've got this cool little trusty knife blade. Can you cut this for me? And Jaleel like cuts off the excess branches. And Christopher's like, sweet, this is the ultimate weapon. And then Jaleel cuts an angle on the stick. So it's now a spear thing. And Christopher's like, this guy's so fucking smart. I love this goddamn genius boy. Uh, so then he has like an actual weapon and he starts like stabbing the het one and it doesn't like pierce through, but the het one like doubles over and, and you know, whatever uh, they continue to fight until they hear this high pitched whining noise. And then the het one take off and wasting no time. Everybody starts to run. And Christopher was in the lead until suddenly the ground gives way beneath him and he comes to a stop, but he's like wily coyoteing over the edge of it. Like, oh God. And he throws his stick, hoping like that he will be propelled backwards because that's how like physics works, I guess, in his mind. Uh, But it is April that like grabs his shoulder and pulls him back. And Jaleel like runs up like, why are you stopping? And he's like, oh oh, shit, okay, yeah, you were right to stop. There's a giant bowl depression that's like a 500 fucking foot drop down into like the middle of goddamn nowhere and you die. So I understand why you stopped now. And uh, as they're all standing there, they're looking out and in the middle of this giant depression in the ground is this insane needle-like spire that is coming up out of the middle of it. And they're like, hey, that looks like the Hetwan stingers. And then they're like, and it looks alive. And like, there's things crawling all over it. And that's when Ganymede and Dionysus were like, that's the city, guys. We made it. There it is. And then they're like, how do we get there? And they're like, you you got to fly. You got to fly there. And they're like, okay, well, that's problematic. You can see why, right? Because we're humans and we can't do that. 
And nobody seems to care. So they're like, okay, well, let's just try to find where we have to go. And then like Ganymede and Dionysus were like, what if we did a cool makeover so no one recognized us? That was that chapter. <laughs> I do feel like this is something that we need to do at Dragon Con. Is so at cool. one point, yeah, we just need to be like wherever we are, whatever we have on us, just be like, all right, disguise time. And we have to switch whatever pieces of clothing we all have brought with us. Is it the day that we're cosplaying late starters characters? <gasps> oh, that would be fun. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so frightened, though, because everybody's told me that Georgia in the summer is like the sweatiest fucking situation. Yeah. I would not want anyone to be subjected to wearing my sweaty ass clothes. But that's my only. It's my only hang up. Oh, my God. I'd do it. I'd wear your, your sweaty clothes. Yeah, for the for the bit, I'd go for a the long bit. Way. I would do anything. Yeah, <laughs> fucking. <laughs> and also, there's something not to be weird here, but I feel like I'm gonna be weird here. If like most people said, "Here are my sweaty clothes," I'd be like, "No." But if Casey was like, "Here's my sweaty clothes," I'd be like, "Casey's sweaty clothes are okay." Don't say that. Casey's. That's yeah, true. Ca- I'm so Casey's, sweaty. <laughs> Casey's good people, so Casey's yeah. sweaty clothes are okay. Yeah, and, like, because you know that it would never be offered with, like, here's my sweaty clothes. Uh, gross. You know it's, like, offered genuinely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, maybe, maybe I'll be a better person if I get some Casey sweat on me. You'll yeah. be a sweaty person. Works. Maybe this is, maybe you can absorb Casey's goodness no. through. Yeah, that's what it is. Absorb my I will skin. be. If I smell like Casey, people will think I smell like a good person. You understand how sweaty I am at all times. It's fine. I'll be like, I'll be like, I'll be like super talented. No. Like oh all God. of a sudden, and I'll be like, Casey is the fountain of talent. No. That's not what That's that not is. What That's works. we'll be like we'll call her Ponce to Casey. None of that is accurate, but like I think it's kind of a funny bit. I think it's a great bit. Ponce to Casey. Oh my God. Ponce to Casey. I dig it. Shall I go to chapter two? <laughs> yes. Chapter number two. Uh, I'm sorry. I will never not be this person. Since one cannot simply walk into Mordor because of the giant lava pit drop thingy with glass shards in it, they do the next best thing. They catch a ride on a giant feathery strawberries and cream bug. Their bodies are about the size of Great Danes, but their wings are like fucking 30 foot goddamn wingspan and they have feet sort of, but they're just like, I wrote feathery podes because I was like, these are just the Elemist feet. I don't know. Uh, But their wings are like wildly long and they have long tentacles that coil under them neatly like a, like a politely coiled garden hose. And as they approach, Ganymede's like, I got this. He's like, hey, fell beasts, take me to the city. And like then their wings activate and they just like start in my mind this is how it plays out exactly. They like unfurl like and then start slowly flapping and then just slowly keep gaining like just momentum until it's like helicopter blades is how they describe it in the book. The impression of helicopter blades. And these things start like rising shakily above them like some sort of like goddamn shitty fucking uh, drone sort of thing. And then the tentacles drop down and pick them up and Dionysus takes two bugs to lift him because he like is sprawling lazily across them. 
And then he's like, hey, buddy, want a drink? And Christopher's like, I'm fucking terrified of everything that's happening. I'd love a drink. So this drink appears in Dionysus's hand and then teleports into Christopher's hand. He starts slamming it and it's mead. And this motherfucker says mead is a girly drink because it's made with honey. And I had a fucking crisis at this point during the, I was like, mead is a girl. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. That aside for one singular moment, <laughs> um, he does get picked up off the ground and he's watching this land receding and they're being ferried across this molten lava glass pit sort of thing below them. And then all the Hetwan that were chasing them surge out of the forest and Christopher screams, faster! And he's like, oh no, these vine tentacles are choking me out. They've recognized me, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, oh no, wait, it's just the forces of going faster. They're pulling against me harder. And then Christopher starts screaming uh, more. He turns and sees David. He's like, you can tell him to go faster. And David's like, I have a sword. Turn around. And he's like, David's so brave. He's such a fucking idiot. And then David's like, if they get to the city and the het won't spread the word, we're dead. And Christopher's like, fuck, I hate that you're right about this. And then he tells his bug to turn around and they all go back towards these het won. Meat is not a girly drink. <laughs> This is exactly what I'm talking about with Christopher just being a dumb kid. He has experienced so little of the world that he, you know, he tastes a slightly sweet alcohol and he's like, meh, you know, this obviously is. I'm like, have you ever read a book ever? Like, this is a giant Viking drink. Like, stop it. Stop it. We just had this whole thing, like, in the first part of the book about how this, like, honeymead was what gets, like, fucking Zeus wasted, and he goes yeah. and pulls all sorts of bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Just, just stop it. Like, your, your, your giant sexism aside, like, you stop it. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Do not. Yeah. Just go, go learn something somewhere before you open your <laughs> damn mouth. Learn. <laughs> go learn. Yeah. Go learn. That was what I thought as soon as he stopped talking. God. It's it's super like stop talking. Like you clearly have no clue what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's just it sucks so much because like he didn't even like talk that in in like a speaking way, but we're like stuck in his head. So it's like yeah. stop thinking. Yeah. Just this is you exactly right. Stop this is what everything. we're talking about. If we were in a David book, that moment would have never happened and we wouldn't have realized how much he's just dumb. Yep. He's just so fucking insufferable in his own yes. head. Yes. Yes. Now I'm going to start thinking about that when we're in the other characters' books. I'm going to be like, I wonder what shitty fucking thing Christopher's thinking right now. <laughs> Idiot. I'm hoping. I'm hoping he'll just, he'll he'll grow out of that. This, this... Like yeah. just, all he needs is just to learn that he doesn't doesn't know as much as he thinks he knows. Yeah, you know that's a great point because he is he acts very much like one of those kids that like because he's had like a couple of shitty beers in the dad's garage, yeah. he thinks he's worldly. Yeah, Ugh. and like you're super not, bro. Yeah, and you're you have terrible views on things, and you'll realize that if you just see a little bit of the world. Yeah. Please, for the love of God, just yeah. do anything. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just sitting over here being optimistic. Maybe you are just, <laughs> I was about to... just garbage. You're just a uh... garbage person. But I would like to think that given the opportunity, 
you would realize that the world is big and you are small and there are many things that happened and but do you think given the opportunity most people rise to the occasion to be good or do you think they keep existing in their (sighs) mediocrity okay so like i live in 2023 so it's impossible to think that most people are good because most people that you hear from are not so like yes there are eight billion of us most of them have to be decent decent folk but man the ones you hear every day uh it's hard to it's hard to keep up hope it is a fiction book, so we can hope yeah. that good will persevere yeah. in Christopher. I hope so. I do. I do. I think if he just, I don't know, just realized things, he wouldn't have the same viewpoint on stuff. It's just because he's lived like this little, this little tiny life and he thinks it's a big life and he thinks he understands stuff and he doesn't understand anything. And if he could just understand that he doesn't understand anything, maybe he could be a better person. I just had the most annoying thought. Christopher is the person that Rachel thought she was because she did the tough stuff in Animorphs. Ooh, I don't like that. I I did say it was an annoying thought. (laughs) Wait, sorry, run that by me again? Christopher is the person that Rachel thought she was in Animorphs because she did all of the tough stuff. All of the tough. Like, this shitty person is who Rachel, like, thought she was and thought she... She's like, if I didn't have the good people to bring me up, I would be one of the bad guys. And, like, I feel like Christopher's living the inverse of that, where he is the bad guy who thinks he's a good guy. good guy, yeah. Okay. See, that... I'd have to sit with that one for a while. Because I kind of, I wanna, I wanna hate it and argue it. Yeah, me too. But just because I wanna hate it and argue it doesn't mean it's not right. No, it it means it's wrong if you hate it and argue it. No, there's a lot of things that are clearly right that I hate. (laughs) So like I, but I do like I don't want to think that Rachel thought herself. I just that bad. I feel like I guess is where I'm at. I just. Rachel at her worst would still be yeah. better than Christopher, right. though. Oh yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah. I did, I, but it. Mm. So so. But the, we all know plenty of people who are way better people than they think they are. So. That that's what I'm saying. That could be like. That could really be accurate. That that Rachel thought herself. Mm-hmm. That that person. When in reality, it was nowhere near that person, you know? Yeah. It's upsetting. Should I should I do the next one? Yeah. Okay. So these bugs turned and charged towards the Hetwan at like 10 miles an hour, and the Hetwan charged at like 3 to 4 miles an hour. So if they both leave the train station at the same time, they should meet in Kansas. And it was a slow and agonizing charge towards each other. And Christopher was like, I have no weapon! And nobody does except for, like, David and maybe Jaleel with his tiny little little knife. But uh, David's also, like, just wielding his sword like a maniac. Like, they didn't say this in the book, but I imagine him just, like, whoosh, whoosh, swiping it through the air, like, when he's not even close to the other bugs, just like, ha, 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 <laughs> it's a threat. Um, 
But then Jaleel's like, oh shit, we can swing and get like some momentum and try to like go in for a kick. And Chris was like, yeah, that's great. So he starts trying to do that. Uh, and then he realizes like, oh shit. Also, I have this toga. I can probably do something with that. So he starts like pulling the toga off of him and everything, leaving a tiny strip for modesty, which he's like, I don't even care about that. He's like, hey, Jaleel, throw me the knife. And Jaleel's like, no, that's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and yeah, and then April's like, use your teeth. And David, or Christopher's like, oh yeah, I have teeth. So then he starts tearing this toga apart with his teeth and David's over there like attempting to fight this Hetwan midair and the thing's like missing him and then having to take like an 80 diameter, 80 foot diameter turn around back to him like super slow motion and he's like swinging the sword at this thing and it's like dodging but like not fast. So David hits this thing, sends it tumbling and then Christopher grabs some of this fabric from the toga, whips it in one of their faces and it just like gets caught. Like he describes it as a Halloween ghost as it plummets to the ground, which is the funniest thing I've ever heard and my favorite way anyone's ever died. Anyways, uh, Christopher gets hit by like one of these venom ball things that they're spitting with their weird little like I don't know the, the weird like flute pipe things that they attach to their faces and that really hurts and he keeps calling for help but of course nobody's coming for help of course not and David's going after another one of these things and that's when the Hetwan was like hey I don't have to hit these children and it shoots a venom ball at David's bug's eye. And this thing lets out a screech like a chainsaw hitting a nail before careening off at faster speeds than anyone had previously seen these things do. So their main weapons out of the fight. And Christopher's like, I only have more cloth. So he throws another one. But like they they saw what happened in the first one. They don't fall for the cloth thing again. And that's when April lets out some sort of a cry. And Christopher turns a venom ball barely missing his face. And he sees that April is throwing glitter out of her backpack at these things. And he's like, where did she get glitter? And he's like, no, that's not glitter. That's the diamonds. And the Hetwan can't resist eating it. So it's basically like going into their weird mouth parts and going through their systems and cutting their internal organs to ribbons. And uh, this is about the point where the, another venom ball comes out and hits one of the tentacles that was holding Christopher to this red bug. It splits that tentacle off and Christopher starts slipping and falling and the thing can't hold him anymore. And then he falls and is like careening through the sky. I did not understand the diamond thing. I, Why did they eat them? I, I, shiny. I guess. Shiny foot in mouth. I just wish that had been like established previously yeah right or come up ever again yeah um i did it's one of my favorite bits and you see this is i think ant man might have been one of my favorite ones where you you have like this super dramatic camera angle on david and this flying beast and it looks like they're traveling at hundreds of miles an hour <laughs> and then you cut across to the head one and it's hundreds of miles an hour and then you get the exterior shot and they're just barely yep. creeping closer towards each other I love it <laughs> it's that one of my favorite uses of that shot was in night at the museum when yes. like they all come together to stab the tire and they're like ah! and zoom out. And it's just like out it's just like quiet <laughs> <laughs> so good oh yeah, I was like, you're you're all idiots. You only have a sword, and then well, but you're all moving at like two miles an hour, so maybe it's fine. Yeah, you got you got time before you collide to think of a pl like yeah, it yeah. was a very weird fight. It was so weird, and like, I don't understand how the Hetwan are so slow to turn. Like, I don't, 
how are they so clunky in the sky and yet they've built a city based entirely on <laughs> flying to it yeah. but they are very poor flyers yeah don't understand yeah there's no there's no explaining that one no unless they're all imagined and none of this is uh. real oh which my is God. another vibe I get when we meet the next alien race how, would would that be unsatisfying if this is all imagined when we get to the end of the book? Uh, I don't. Mm, it was maybe. our dream. Yeah, it, it depends on who's dreaming how. Like you could do it where it was, and why? <gasps> oh no! Oh no! Hmm. What if it is all imaginary? It's just yeah, not like, doing her bullshit. Right, right. They're they're actually in Senna's <sighs> head battling. Like I don't know. You could you could make it work. Michael Grant could. I couldn't. Yeah, Michael Grant could make it work. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in that guy. I still hate that it's Senna's head that it they would be in because like it would be Senna, it fucking yeah, would be. And sure. this is just her stupid, mm-hmm. shitty imagination. Yeah, she could imagine so much better. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what? I say. Uh, I I don't want to. I say Michael Grant could because Michael Grant is more uh, aligned in my head with the weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure Gay Applegate could do the same. Yeah. Could, oh, could, yeah. Could pay yeah. off that ending. It just wouldn't be as weird and awful, which I think is what I'm expecting. Yeah, we would learn something from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm picking sides. I just assumed. Weird and awful equals Michael Grant. Yeah, like this whole That's, thing feels like at least ninety yeah, percent Michael Grant. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It really does. So I'm just gonna blame him for everything. <laughs> Catherine would never. Catherine, Catherine would never. <laughs> I just imagine you meeting Michael and Catherine in an airport and talking about something, and that would be the end of the conversation. Is Michael Grant saying, "Well, you know, Catherine wrote that part," and you just. Catherine would never, <laughs> would never do that, <laughs> Mister Grant. How could you? <laughs> oh God, Michael. I'd like to think I've. Can I call you Michael? I'm gonna. <laughs> I think that I've come to know you pretty well over these past few years. <laughs> and that's how the restraining order starts, kids. <laughs> <laughs> She would never write a wolf peeing all over the room for no reason. (laughs) I did love the the strawberry creatures, though. Oh, my God. They were adorable. I love them. They're so good. They're so good. Again, their ass is whooped, and they're still like, we have a job to do. (laughs) They're like, they'd be great and adorable if it wasn't for their giant bug eyes. I'm like, are you kidding me? Giant dragonfly eyes on a Great Dane body with 30-foot wingspan and strawberries and cream color? They're great. Puppy bugs. They were were all right. (laughs) But it's the next alien race I'm telling you that wins the book series for me. Oh no! I've yeah. completely forgotten. It's oh, it's the we're, we're almost there. Okay. The big the big guys, the big truck guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Okay. We have a little way to get there. Yeah. Little ways. Okay. Do it. So 
Christopher is falling and falling headfirst away from the battle and the hetwan, and they're shrinking down to the size of actual bugs as he flies towards the glass shards that, even if he lands, they're going to cut him to ribbons before he ever hits the ground. And he watches everything just kind of floats away, and then suddenly an angel's face swims into his vision. It's Ganymede. And he grabs Christopher's bicep, and he's like, Arise, red bug thing. And it tried, but it's carrying like 400 goddamn pounds of men. And so it just wasn't happening. And Christopher's like, maybe it's slowing down. Maybe, maybe. And like, he's not quite sure because they're still falling. But then it's true. He does start slowing down. And then they get pulled slightly sideways. And then they're getting pulled a little more sideways. And this poor little bug is straining and straining to lift them up. And Ganymede is like totally not freaked out by this. And it's like careening up the side of this glass cliff. And like Christopher gets his leg cut open. It gets dragged across some of this glass. And he's bleeding everywhere. And then Ganymede like pulls him up into his chest. And and then the bug like is able to get them and starts to like rise ever so slowly and drag them out of there and Christopher's crying and babbling and snotting everywhere and is just like I owe you one I owe you one again I mean it's like that was exhilarating wasn't it and Christopher's like this is not the time to have a sense of humor that's that chapter uh <laughs> 400 pounds of men <laughs> I like how you said that <laughs> That's a, that's a good band name, too. <laughs> that is a good band name. Yeah, I love yeah. 100 Pounds of Men. It's an, it's an all-girl band. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. like the most, like, poppy, bubbly music. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, delightful. Dude, how cool is Ganymede? Amazing. Kind yeah. of the best, yeah. Kind, kind of the best. Of the best. It's like, you know when you get really mad at somebody for being, like, just absolutely gorgeous, and you're like, you just have a shitty personality, I know it, because you're so pretty, and then they don't, they're wonderful, and you're like, God, yep. I want to hate you so much. Yeah. Yep. Oh, no, it's, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's never, it's never like, it's be in shitty. the contract, yeah, yep. that if you're super pretty, you're supposed to be an awful person, <laughs> and that's supposed to balance the universe so the rest of us are okay. Yeah. Like, that's how that's supposed to be. Exactly. <laughs> then you meet these like super pretty, super talented people, and you're like, I'm, I'm so like, I am glad that I know you and I hate you. Yep. <laughs> we are worms, worthless yeah. worms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's really rude of them. It quite is. Honestly. It's like it's like it's the same thing as people that are taller than me. <laughs> that is such a rude move, being taller than me. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Scott. Scott. That's why we yeah. famously feud with Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. It's so rude being taller than me. I hate it. Don't ever be taller than Tim. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll just go ahead and say it. I don't know if I've told this story on here or not. But it's like I meet Scott, Alex's person, and then <laughs> he's taller than me. And I'm like, hey, you're taller than me. Knock it off. It's rude. And what does this jerk do? He stands up more, like straighter. And it's like, rude. It's so rude. <laughs> he did it every time, too. Every time, too. <laughs> I, need, I need something like that for me so I straighten my shoulders and like adjust my posture. 
<laughs> you just need a, a bit. Yeah. Somebody to do a bit constantly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or Boris just to come and yell at me. <laughs> just sit up. Sit up straight. Just sit up. Yes, sit Boris. Up straight. <laughs> he was so intense about that too. He like was. right immediately. He was like, there is no secret. Just sit up straight. And I was like, just sit up straight. God damn it. <laughs> he just he has a way of saying it where you're like I hate that I knew the answer the whole time yep. <laughs> surprise Pikachu face <laughs> oh god he wasn't again another person gorgeous and kind yeah and I fucking hate That's, that for yeah. him mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. fuck you Boris Cabrera for being <laughs> uh, a nice person delightful man I, I, or, or if we're or. gonna just name drop people, people here. Yeah, Paulo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Same fuck thing. you, Paulo <laughs> Costanza, for being beautiful and kind. Yeah, you were so nice to us. Fucking and that's asshole. That's not how it's supposed to work. Oh, You're supposed to be mean Sweet. and aloof. Yeah. yeah. Don't be excited that we were there. Don't be just as excited to see us as we are to see you, <laughs> oh you God. dick. Sean Ashmore, you know what? I yeah. didn't like your kindness either. Yeah, yeah, Stop he was it. super nice too. Um, Fuck you. <laughs> Boris yep. hasn't signed my book yet. We need to get Boris to sign my book. Ooh, we do. If I have to, to, yeah, if I have to mail that book somewhere to get Boris to sign it, I will gladly do that. I think you just go to California, sign up for a personal training session with him, and then be like, "Hey, <laughs> dude, that is the most Zach Morris plan, and I love it. I think we should do it." <laughs> okay. I'm in. I'm in too. Yeah. I love just it. Just sign up for like an hour session or something and be like, I really only need you for about four or five minutes so you can sign my book and maybe take a picture. I'll still with pay us. you. And he'll yeah. be like, Hell no. You're going to fucking work out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And then he'd, I'd die, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd hold out for as long as I possibly could. Yeah. But. Yeah. It'd be too encouraging. Yeah. Have we told, have we told them about the, the, the listeners, the fair fair listeners, dear listeners, mm-hmm. uh, about the Meet the Stars of Animorphs book that I have? I don't think we have. <laughs> oh, okay. I have a copy of the Meet the Stars of Animorphs, which I'm sure a bunch of people listening to this have that same book. Um, but so far we've gotten um, Sean Ashmore to sign it, and we've gotten... Paulo Costanzo to sign it and mm-hmm. we're just taking it around and we're going to try and get everybody to sign it including Catherine and Michael I think Nadia is going to be your hardest get mm-hmm. yeah it's going to be tough got to do it though yep <laughs> well you guys ready yeah okay so now that Dionysus was all liquored up that's right his powers don't work unless he's drunk same as me he was able to create illusions that helped David kill most of the head one and the rest were taken out by like $10,000 worth of diamonds that April fed them. And as the Red Wing came back to pick up Christopher, unapologetically, like he didn't even care that he had dropped him, Christopher just kind of slumps into his little vines because he was like, I'm tired. I'm so tired. I'm just bone tired. I'm deeply tired. And he falls asleep. And he wakes up as his coworkers like handing him a beer. And they're all there talking about like some weird insane radical white supremacy party and christopher's like what the fuck did i just wake up to and he's like hey guys 
this beer is great. I'm leaving. And they're all like, no, no, no. You have to hear the pitch for a great thing because you know how Christian white males are just so fucking repressed in our society and never get anything they want. Uh, yeah, so we we have to like stand up for the, the common man. And like this coworker, like Christopher's like, guys, I gotta go. So he starts to leave. And these coworkers like move to block him. One of them is this like tiny little greasy, skinny fucking weirdo with a ponytail that then like flashes Christopher his shitty Nazi tattoo on his chest, which is like a skull. It's like literally a fucking like dark mark of Nazism, which I know that's like where that came from, but it still was buck wild. It's a skull with a swastika in the mouth. And then his boss, Mr. Trent, Mr. Fucking, you know, you we know the tale of Mr. Trent. Uh, his boss starts going on about how Christopher's head is mostly on right, but he's not quite committing to this. And like Christopher's like, yeah, I'm just not like a fucking committer. And he's like, how the fuck do I get out of this one? And that's where we end that chapter. Why didn't he bail like earlier? Well, that's I that's part of the problem of like waking up in these situations. It's like yeah. what did happen earlier that you are here. Well, you know? Like when he was copying like the stuff with presumably yeah, like why didn't swastika. Just why didn't he be job? like, it's time for me to leave and never come back? Right. Like, right. why did you stick around this long guy? <sighs> because it wasn't that important to him. Like, <sighs> that's the truth of it. Yeah. Like, he ended up in this situation because he didn't take that seriously enough in the beginning because it wasn't that important to him. I don't know any other way around that. Yep, that's accurate. Mm-hmm. But being in that situation that he's in now, it's kind of scary, you know. Yeah, it's a little like, what are you? Mm, you're a what are you, eighteen, nineteen year old kid. What are you going to do? You're going to, you know, fight your way out of it. No, you aren't. You super aren't. Yeah, super you know? are not going to do that. Yeah. But uh, to Casey's point. You did it to yourself. You should have left earlier. You had opportunities and this one. The other thing is like, this is like day three on the job. Why are they including him in their super secret white supremacy meetings? Uh, I, I, they had him tagged for that before they hired him. No, yeah, that's right. Christopher is kind of... Yeah. Like, I don't think that they sort of... I don't think that their hunt was off. Like, I don't yeah, think they were right. off base with this. Right. But they just didn't know his laziness would extend to not joining their cult. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. That is a level of suck that, like, you might have just put some things in perspective there. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe he's way worse than... Oh, I was reading that as like he was like, "Oh no, these guys are psychotic." Like, yeah, I'm trying how. to defuse the situation so they don't stab me. That's how I got it too. Was yeah. like, yeah. but <laughs> these these people are too far in their 
in there. Right. It would be effort to be this level. God, stop saying that because that makes me. Oh, geez. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not trying to defend the kid or anything, but that 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 hat. That, what if it fits a little too snugly, I think, on him. <laughs> snuggling in a not comforting way. Yeah, not in a. Bad snuggle. Snuggly, bad like snuggle. the plastic sort like of hat <laughs> clip of the SS officer. <laughs> like, it, like it fits him like it was, I don't know, made for him. Like um, In Germany. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Well. So then what happened? So then, so then what happens uh, is Christopher is just straight up sticking with this narrative. Like, I'm just not really a group kind of guy. Don't like group projects. Don't like, don't want to be a joiner is what he says. He's like, my mom uses the word joiner and I'm just going to steal that. Uh, and the guys are literally looking at him like, we're going to, we're about to beat the shit out of you. And Christopher's like, hey guys, so my mom's looking for me. She knows where I am and where I work. And if I go missing and don't show up at home. She's not going to be happy with me. And that's when they decide not to, I guess, murder him in an alley and let him go. Uh, and so he, like, walks out of there and he's, like, feeling super weird, super gross. And, like, he's looking across the street, seeing, like, college-age kids, like, laughing and hanging out and, like, f- being like, they don't even know how crazy just, shit just got right across the street from them. And then a hand is on his shoulder and he, like, jumps and freaks out. And it's Keith. The guy that's like 80 pounds lighter than him and super greasy with his weird fucking tattoo. And Christopher's basically like, hey, bro, don't touch me. I could beat the shit out of you. And Keith is like, maybe you could beat the shit out of me like how my dad did every day of my life. But I'm going to find what you love more than anything. Your family, your mom, your girlfriend. And I'm going to hurt him. And Christopher's like, okay. <laughs> like literally like just like, all right, sure. And uh, he leaves. He's just out of there. He's like, uh, sure, I won't tell anybody, whatever. Uh, he is relieved to see his house. He walks home. He's relieved to see his house until he hears the yelling. And his parents are fighting. And he says it's about whatever, money or their sex life or how his dad is cheating on the mom and all that shit. And Christopher just sighs, resigned, walks around the house to the swing set out back, lays down on the yellow plastic slide, which is where you can hear things, but not the actual details, but you can tell when it's dying down. And uh, that's when he falls asleep and a second later wakes up in Everworld. And he's like, oh, good thing I'm back in Everworld. And Jaleel's like, how could you be asleep at a time like this? And he's like, give me a break, man. I just got fired. And Jaleel's like, for what? And Christopher's like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, man. (laughs) Yeah. So I I do, before we talk about the book, I do have to talk about how unsettlingly accurate your Keith impression was to the (laughs) Keith voice in my head. (laughs) We all know that voice. Greasy little whiny bitch. But that is, that's a, that's just, again, all his fault. Well, not all his fault. Like, it's not. Like, that's putting the blame on the wrong person. But, like, he could have handled the situation a lot better a lot earlier. That's a scary thing to be in somebody threatening your family and stuff. Yeah, like, absolutely. I just hate I, that he like, he let it go this far. That to yeah, you should have ducked out on yeah. that first interview when they yeah, were like absolutely. the right kind of yeah. Americans. And yeah, it was like, Ooh, red flag. I'm leaving. Bye. Yeah. yeah, I like not to not to go hard into defending him as a teen. I can see how he wouldn't be quite equipped sure. to like 
You know, he yeah. wouldn't have the confidence yeah. to leave at that point. Sure. But yeah, it did go on for quite a while. I, I hope that, like, and, and, and you might be right, but I would hope that, like, there might be situations as a teen where I wouldn't realize the importance of what was happening. Yeah. I feel like making copies of that. Yeah. That that yeah. should have been like, mm-hmm. a, you know, this isn't where I need to be. You know, this is this is probably at the bare minimum. This is not like I don't I don't want to sound again like I'm like I'm apologizing for him. I'm not. But at the bare minimum, like this is not a safe place to be. Right. Let's let's talk about, you know, their ideals separately, how that's not a, a, a thing you want to support. But I would hope at the at the bare minimum, you'd be like, this is not these right. are not this people is... that are yeah. going to make my life. They're not going to enrich my life any, yeah. you know. Well, and if it had yeah. been like, if it had been like a symbol that he just like hadn't encountered before and like uh, didn't realize what it was, but like, very possible too. But he didn't. He I, sort of name it. Yeah, yeah. He said a yeah. weird cross, which I could only jump to conclusions, but yeah, sure, sure. And that's, but that's very possible too. Like maybe, but it was the way he said he felt after doing it. I was like, you know, you know, yeah. He does. And yeah. like the other part is. He didn't have to go accept the beer with them either. He could just be like, I don't drink. Oh, and like no, walk yeah. away. Or, I, yeah, I got to get out of here real quick. Like, yeah, right now. I'm sorry. My mom needs me at home. Like, yeah. There are ways to avoid that situation that is completely plausible and warranted. And he didn't do those. <sighs> I have to pee and the toilet's broken. Yeah. Huh? No, I'm and not then, just saying that now, Casey. I was like, that's what? my excuse for leaving. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just be like, oh, you should go fix the toilet and then run out. And they'll be like, this toilet's fine. Oh, <laughs> he got away again. It's because you didn't preface it with, sorry, I'm late. Oh, I have yeah. to pee in the toilet. Please do that the next like, starts. Oh, no. He could just do the Savannah thing where he's like, I have to... Be go. somewhere else. I have to go away from here. Goodbye. <laughs> I think her first quote was, I have to leave. And she, <laughs> yeah. I forgot. I have to leave. <laughs> My phone number is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> oh, oh, Savannah. God, I love, love her. her so much. She's great. Oh. <laughs> uh. Should not be allowed in society half the time, I think. Mm-hmm. The other half the time, I'm like, this is the only way to communicate in society. <laughs> I forgot. I have to leave. Okay. Uh, so now, here we are. And Tim, I'm going to need you to give a better description because I straight up fucked around on this on this chapter recap. Uh, so they're they're getting to the city now towards the large hypodermic needle, needle tower. As it's coming into relief, they can see the windows and the doors and the gut bags hanging off the sides of it and all these busy hetwan buzzing around. And there's even some stairs here because there's humans that are carrying burlap sacks around. It looks like a hive or something or a termite mound, a description we've never heard before in a K.A. Applegate book. Mm-hmm. Um as they're about five minutes out, they decide, like, hey, maybe we could skip this city. Like, let's not go here. They're like, hey, giant flying things, can you take us 
away from the city to the other side and the red bugs don't respond at all. So soon enough, they're deposited onto this mirror image of the platform that they had taken off from and they watch as there's some nearby dwarves that had brought cargo and they're depositing it onto a yellow beetle. Not like a beetle, like a bug, but like a beetle car. But instead of tires, they have some sort of like tank tread rubber tire thing with these bowling balls in it that rotate around. But because there's like four different semi-articulation points of these tires, they can go upstairs and shit and like on all terrain. And they watch as like the dwarves are walking with these things, traveling at this decent clip. And David's like, let's follow them. And Dionysus is like, let's ride them. And David's like, no and Dionysus <laughs> is like I'm a god you have to do what I say you're immortal don't be an idiot and David's like what if we get on those things and we get stuck and then we can't run away and Dionysus is like yeah all right okay. that's that chapter so I I they did not name this alien race but they did say like the the, the first line when they describe them says they're like beetles not the bug the car and for whatever reason, my brain would not process an alien race like this. So I read that sentence four times, and each time my brain said, not the car, the bug. <laughs> and I could not get my brain to understand that they were talking about the car. Uh, but I do want to come up with the name of this alien race, because this has got to be my favorite alien race in anything ever. And they said that the wheels were like something akin to marbles in a balloon. Where you could kind of throw yeah. one marble further, and then the next marble, and then the next marble, and that was how they they perambulate from place. To, I don't know if that's the right word, but I wanted Ambulate? to use it because it's a big word. Uh, uh, maybe I don't know, uh, but that's how they get from place to place. That's how they locomote. There you go. That's not the right word, uh, but um, uh, the yeah, I just that's the coolest thing ever. The little bug things, and that is why I back to believing that we're in somebody's head. Mm. Because somebody, this sounds like somebody manufactured this alien race by looking at a bug mm. or a beetle. That's what I think. Yes, they are yellow as well, much like yeah, much like the the Mustang. Yeah, no, no, uh, yes, oh, yes, oh, sa- oh, sa- oh, same oh. thought, same thought. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, a yellow car in a in an applicate book. <laughs> A strange alien yellow car. How about that? I would oh, like to call this alien race the Herbies. <gasps> yeah. Yes. The yeah. Herbies. Okay. The Herbies. Herbies. And it is my favorite Applegate, Apple Grant alien race. It's very good. It is very good. I want to know what it sounds like as all these like wheels, because I imagine it's like... <laughs> Like, yeah, of all the marbles, kind of like yeah. <laughs> also, there was an alien race in Animorphs that I can't remember right now that had wheels. Mm-hmm. The one it's Andalite Chronicles again. Oh yeah, That's yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this like mental block in my head about organic wheels. Mm-hmm. Like I just cannot make that function in my head as a thing. Just don't make sense because it the doesn't. axle point. It just doesn't yeah, make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. You have to have a separate thing, and it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I cannot get my head around it. But it's happened a couple of times now. And yeah. Because even in um, the His Dark Materials trilogy, 
the the creatures that were like quote unquote wheeled, but it wasn't wheeled. It was like an external thing that they used yeah. and like stuck their little claws in to use yeah. as an axle. So yeah. It's the only example mm-hmm. I can think of. I just can't can't get my head to accept it. But I think I like reading stories where my head won't accept stuff. Yeah. What the E? What the E, man? That did come up a couple times in the book. <laughs> and I did read it instead of WTE as yep. WTE yes. every Same. time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Every time. Like, what to E? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I do, I do, I do want what to E t shirts <laughs> and stickers. What, yeah. What to E shirts? What to E? What to e? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so as they enter the city, they decide to sneak around the exterior because if they go through the city center, they will run into Ka and Or. And so the logical choice, go around. April's like, hey, do we need a cover story? And David's all like, oh shit, I'm embarrassed. I shouldn't have thought about that. But they're all like, yeah, the usual. The huge. We're we're bards. It's fine. Uh, so they start, they describe it as crab walking around the city. And I don't know why, because every other description was like, it's streets. It's just city streets, but then they said they crab walks like for fun. Okay. Did you ever? Did you ever play crab soccer in school, or is this like just an old people thing? Explain what? Okay. Explain. <laughs> so uh, crab soccer, you would play. Okay, imagine. I don't know how to describe this. Uh, you're standing up, right? Mm-hmm. Now lean backwards to where you're on all fours, but you're facing up. Yeah, crab walking. Oh yeah, oh, that's a crab. That's crab soccer. You play soccer that style. You oh. run around that way and kick the ball. That seems with your feet. Yes, injury-inducing. With your with your feet. Oh. It was the eighties, man. It was a different time. Nobody worried about injuries. <laughs> <laughs> there are no crabs on my planet. There. Oh no. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so when they said they were crab walking, that's what I assumed that they were doing. They were walking on all fours. But yeah. Oh, instead of like walking sideways with yeah, their yeah, like, yeah. yeah. little pinchers. Pinchers. <laughs> that would be funnier. We should do, we could make that a horse girls thing. We could do crab jousting where you kind of crab walk at each other with a stick. I don't want to brag, but I have been preparing for our jousting tournament. <laughs> I've thought about that after you said you were doing a jousting clinic. I was like, we still have to get those hoverboard horses and do the jousting. Oh, we do. Hoverboard horses. So do the power ponies. Yeah. We're doing it. We're doing it. I'm so excited. All right. Anyways. uh, Yeah. They crab walked around town. Imagine that as you will. And they come to a basically busy city street like intersection where there's this pole and on top of it is this strange gooey wad of what looked like chew or bubblegum. And then in it, there was like this stippled impression that took them a while to figure out what it was. But eventually after staring at it for long enough, they realized it was a stippled portrait of Senna, which is a wanted poster in this land. And they're like, huh, even here, even here she's wanted. And like her image gives Dionysus a chill. He's like, oh, what a cold woman. How dare she look at me like this, which is buck wild to me, but all right. Um, they all move on because they're like, listen, if we stare at this wanted poster all day, they'll know like something's up. But as they moved on, they made a mistake. 
They let Dionysus out of their sight for but a moment, and he strayed towards the back of them. When Christopher turns around to look for him, he sees that he's with a nymph and a boy carrying a barrel of wine and some other stuff. He had started to summon a party, and unfortunately, all of the Hetwan know what that means. They never used the word stippling. They did not. They said it looks like when you take a ballpoint pen and put it multiple impressions in. (laughs) I just wanted to shorten the description to the yeah. proper word, like, which is that stippling. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I knew stippling. I did not go to art school, but I knew stippling. But it was just funny watching them describe it because it was obviously a bunch of kids who had never been to art school either. Yeah. Maybe have never been to an art class even. It's on the back of the Crayola box. Like if you buy a box of like colored pencils, like Crayola colored pencils, it gives you art techniques on the back of the box and mm-hmm. stippling is one of them. Uh, is it? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Pointillism. Pointillism. That's a movement. We don't like that. That's ladies in the park with tiny dogs. <laughs> the only pointillism. pointillism piece I can currently think of. <laughs> it's the only pointillism piece that's ever been famous. Uh, this is just our school jokes now. Um, <laughs> can, we make, can we make an initialism movement? Yes. Do that. What would you like to call it? I am. I want to call yes. <laughs> I want to. I want people to talk about my initialism period. <laughs> Where I only spoke oh, no. acronyms, I guess. Oh no. I mean, that's a very like pop Andy Warhol to just do art pieces oh. of only initialisms, like in a very like design style. Like, mm-hmm. Like, you could make this a thing. I don't want to do the next chapter. I don't like it. I mean, it's not the worst one. Oh, is it not the... Okay. No, no, there's... A, okay, I'll do the next one, and it'll be, it'll be okay. So, the het one descend from all sides after them, and David's like, get in there! So they duck into this doorway, and they start tumbling down a massive slide, basically, at speed... And, like, Dionysus's head is right by Christopher's foot. And then he looks up above him to see this het wand that's, like, coming flying down after them, aiming its venom spitter. And Christopher did not want to get spitted with venom. And so, thinking quickly, he uses his shoes to break and slow his fall. And the het wand, like, zoom, like zooms up to him. He grabs its head. Then he lets go. And the het wand starts beating its wings to, like, slow its body down because its head just got grabbed. And when Christopher continues to slide, he just tears its head off. So then his body, like, falls onto the side and is, like, twitching behind them and sliding down after them. And Christopher's like, I'm not letting go of this head because I don't want the trauma of it bouncing down here after me. And after a very long time, they get to the bottom of the slide and they tumble out. And it was only then that they realized that Ganymede was gone and they couldn't help him now. And Christopher, in a fit of rage, punches the head that he's holding and he's startled when an acid ball comes shooting out. So then he aims it and he punches it again and another shot directly at another het wand. And then he aims it again. He hits it, punches it again. It hits another het wand in the chest. And he's like, okay, I've had enough of this game. So they take off running. And that's when they realize that the Beat their ground below their feet was squishy, and they get the feeling it's tracking them. Ew. I didn't like that. Yeah, it's gross. I didn't want that for me. No. Yeah. Okay, do you want me to go to the next chapter? This whole thing is, is like a pretty good run together. So they're traveling through these caves, and they're worrying and feeling guilty over the loss of Ganymede. 
and they travel through the pitch black and only Dionysus was unbothered. Like he bitched and he moaned, but like it's clear that he was immortal and everybody else was exhausted and he was just bitching to bitch. And at one point, Christopher like just stops and he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And David has to grab him and like drag him along. And David responds almost as if he's reading Christopher's mind. And he's like, maybe he got away. Maybe he got away. We don't know. We don't know. And David's like, we just got to keep moving. And they start pushing through this pitch black cave. And David's like, I don't have any idea where we're going, but I think this is fine. And Dionysus is going on and on about his like perfect Olympus navigation sense. He always knows where Olympus is, blah, 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 blah. And finally, a light starts to break through ahead. And as they draw closer, they start hearing this almost religious chanting. And then they find the edge of the cave and they look out and there's this massive circular like arena almost and it's the center of this needle and on each floor there's like all of these levels of doors and like surrounding them all sorts of like terrible hetwan and everything and in the middle there's this like weird gelatinous blob with these horrible teeth going at every angle and millions of eyes and it's not even one singular thing it's everything and it's horrible and as christopher lets out this horrible moan he realizes that kaanor is fear itself and that's when they spot it, a red-winged bug creature carrying the boy whose beauty drew Zeus himself down from Olympus. So Ganymede is lowered into Kaanor's mouth, and Christopher starts losing it. He is screaming, he's trying to throw himself forward, and April and David are dragging him back, and they listen as Kaanor begins to eat Ganymede. And his screaming lasts for a very long time as he is just like stripped to ribbons in these horrific teeth of Kaanor. And after he goes silent, they let go of Christopher and Christopher is also silent. And after Kaanor had fed, the entire hive kind of quiets down into a sort of torpor. And they have time to pick their way around. Even with Dionysus in tow, uh, it seems like they didn't, expect them to have two gods they just expected them to have the one so Dionysus kind of gets away scot-free and they creep over to the other side of this circular needle cavern that they found themselves in they travel out of there and into the city and back to the other side of the town and as they're traveling they start finding places to sleep because nobody is paying them any mind so Christopher all of a sudden is dropped into the real world where he finds himself getting this bag of Chinese food. And as he's kind of like dropped there, the rice bag rips open and it goes all over the ground. He starts trying to like push it back into the bag. And then he walks, keeps walking towards his home. And when he makes it home, he sees his little brother's bike on the porch. But it's not carelessly strewn about like a kid had thrown it down. It's propped up in a way to intercept him as he walks. As he gets closer, he sees a little swastika and a K carved into the seat as a threat. Christopher starts drinking. He starts drinking in both worlds, and he doesn't stop. They get back to Everworld. They get to this platform. They travel to the other side. They meet up with some dwarves, and they buy some ponies off of them with the last of the diamonds. And Christopher just keeps drinking as they're traveling. Somehow the world shifts to ancient Greece and he barely takes notice of all the changes around him as all the houses turn into these amazing structures and they see all sorts of wondrous things. He doesn't matter. He is just getting wasted. And every town they go to, Dionysus is greeted with parties and women and all that stuff. And Christopher does not give a shit. He just keeps drinking himself into a stupor. David at one point tries to confront him about this, but after a while he gives up because it's not changing anything. And then... 
Days after that, Christopher gets the impression that even Dionysus is sick of him, and he doesn't care because he was also sick of himself. When they finally arrive towards Olympus, Dionysus points it out with a flourish, and Christopher thinks this is all very Hollywood, except in the sky to the far right. It was darkened with Hetwan. So, Christopher, like, I get the home stuff bugging him, because there's, you know, there there is a you there that can do things, but you're not in control of that you. Mm-hmm. Even though it's you, which is a wild concept, but there's nothing you can do. So that would be like, that would be troubling. The part that I don't get, Christopher, like I get that he would like to think he's the person who would help Ganymede because Ganymede helped him. But let's be honest, Ganymede is a literal god and you are, this is the reason I don't like, they don't compare. Ganymede saving you is should be expected because Ganymede has the ability to save you. You saving Ganymede, that's a much bigger ask. Mm-hmm. That that situation is a much bigger bigger and I was like, these these don't these are not equal. These are if, not equal. If you really wanna kind of run those numbers though, the whole reason they were even there is because they did already save Ganymede. That yeah, was the true. first thing they did. Also true. Also true. But I did, I, I was just like, bro, at some point, like, I know you can't, like, control how you feel, and, like, I get it. But at some point, you, you got to start with the logical brain and be like, those two are not the same thing. They're not, they're not even, even traits. And I'm sure Ganymede would have even said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Would have been like, Probably. no, dude, yeah. No, dude, like, that was a, a, a whole mess of het one on me, and all yeah. you did was drop and I grabbed you. You know, yeah. But Can we do the last chapter. Yeah, I was about, about to say, but okay, we add on to that in the next chapter. Yeah, we. It's that's kind of what this is. Is is really just an add on. So uh, Christopher is drunk and mad as they're approaching Olympus, and David rides up next to him and is like, "Hey, you got to snap out of it because we want to make a good impression when we go up to Olympus because we want the immortality, idiot." Uh, and Christopher just kind of loses it on David, launches at him. He is drunk and, like, stumbling, and he just starts, like, punching David with everything he has, and David's trying to, like, push him off, and he's using his whole body weight to pin him down to the ground, and eventually David gets free, and he's like, what the fuck, man? Like, get it get it the fuck together, dude. Uh, and Christopher kind of does. They keep going towards Olympus, and, like, you know, he he sobers up on the ride there, And then he starts going through this really strange experience of, like, he starts thinking about Ganymede and, like, it's his own personal AA. Like, he basically decides that he is not going to swear to any religion specifically, but, like, he is going to think of Ganymede as the thing that he is following. Uh, And the only other notes they really make here is that as they get to Olympus, Everybody, like, they're in these insane houses, these insane structures. The gods have carved out mesas and changed the landscape and created these amazing spaces for themselves. But nobody is acknowledging that the Hetwan are right fucking there and they are coming for them. Is that, that's the book. That's the book. Which I really hoped the, the Nazi printers, like, that thing was going to be resolved. That was what I was yeah. talking about. I yeah. thought that was going to, I was hoping that would have been done. I figured. 
Dude, one detail that I really liked from like a writing perspective was the bicycle. Mm. We got that in front lines too. So Rainy and the French spy are like mm. looking down into the into the town. Yeah, and yeah, like the they one were that commenting the on how like the Nazis were very like orderly and they would like nicely prop the bikes up oh, and stuff. And so having that detail in here, it was like oh, Michael Graham doing it again. Very cool. Anyway. But yes. I did so, not expect the Nazi thing to keep going. <laughs> no. Yeah, I thought it would be done at the end of the book. I didn't think it was yeah. gonna be a larger larger thing. Um Christopher is so unconsolable because of his feelings for Ganymede. Is this that is what we're assuming? The basis of my fan fiction, okay? Oh, there okay. was I'm getting ahead of it then. I'm sorry. Okay. No, you're not, because I haven't told you anything about my fan fiction that I will now tell you about. Uh, so there were multiple points in the book that I just didn't include in the recap where Christopher was very focused on both his sexism and then being gay. And like, it was a lot of comments about like, even like throwaways, right? Like, oh, when you're charging into battle, it doesn't matter. I'll stand like shoulder to shoulder with women and gay people because if they die first, great. Um, you know, as long as it's protecting yourself. So he has a bunch of comments like that. I think he's so hyper focused on this because he is in love with Ganymede. Like, and because he had that whole revelation that then he shit talked himself. Mm -hmm. I think this whole thing is him just completely overcompensating for being gay and not accepting that about himself. And so then when we got back to the whole Nazi thing, it was like he wasn't doing that. Like, he's pegged as the right person, right? Because that's exactly like what he is perceived as, right? Is the white Christian male in this thing. But he's not on board with that because he knows that, like, hey, if this is ever found out, I'm just as, like, I'll be, like, next in the line. Like, I'll be in the line of fire, basically. And this is my whole fan fiction about why I think Christopher is gay and trying to hide it. And then I think that if he believes in a god hard enough, that's how they stick around, right? So Christopher's whole thing of I'm going to believe in Ganymede is going to bring him back. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Because that's, they said that earlier in the book, right? Dionysus was like, you have to believe, so the gods yeah. to exist, you have to believe in them. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. This is my fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and and my, my beautiful dream that I had last week was that yes. Christopher finally accepted his bisexuality and asked Ganymede out. <laughs> As he should. So. As he should. We're writing from the same place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was I was wondering that if it was like all of the like homophobia was because of that. But uh, it's the same thing with the the aggressive comments towards April too. Mhm. <laughs> like I like I almost feel like that is I, I like I definitely feel like it's a real thing that mm -hmm. happens but I do feel like it's also a trope in media that like sure. the bully sure. character goes out of his way to pick on the gay kid because he is gay yeah. <laughs> glee, um, glee. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I don't know it's like I, I almost feel like in some ways that can be like harmful for people people to watch because they might think that 
it excuses the bully's behavior. Yeah. But it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but Super also like, doesn't. Yeah. And like in general, from, okay, this might come across as really critical and maybe it is. Um, like from a writing perspective, part of the reason I couldn't compartmentalize how I felt about this was because like I finished reading this and I felt really kind of gross about Ganymede dying the way that he died and like why he died. You know what I mean? Like he's the only openly queer character in the series so far. He died in a very gruesome way. And he basically, he was basically like they fridged him basically so that like it could further Christopher's character development. I kind of feel like, so, like, I was kind of fighting with all of that a little bit and just kind of being like, okay, I know Michael Grant will kill any character for any reason, like, regardless of, like, race yeah. or religion or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, like, but, like, I just, I finished reading this and I just felt gross about it because it's like we had been in Christopher's head the whole book where he's just, like, hurling insults and, like, abuse at this guy. He dropped the fucking F slur. Yeah. In this fucking book, which made me very uncomfortable because I kind of felt like, and I, and I felt like this a couple of times in Frontlines too, where it's like, I feel like sometimes Michael Grant like wants to make a point and then he makes the point and then sometimes he just keeps going and it's like, okay, you can stop now. Like you made your point, like you've established this thing. It's bad. You didn't have to go the extra step further. <laughs> like, can you stop? So... Anyway, uh, these are all of my feelings. Yeah. Where do I put them? No, no. Uh, So that would be a hard, like all of what you said feels 100% correct about Ganymede and whatnot. My, uh, I have a couple of thoughts with it. One is, how other than tragedy like with these nazi characters with the death of ganymede would you move somebody like christopher mm-hmm. to awakening love and like i don't the but he doesn't even realize who he loves but he could and he Maybe. didn't have to lose ganymede Maybe, maybe. I don't know. He's pretty deep in it, and it would take a lot to get him out. I, but he already had, a, like, a pretty big real. Like, he thought he was going to die. He yeah. thought mm-hmm. he was falling. He had a long time to think about it. He was cut on those glass shards, and he was saved by Ganymede. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I don't. I think it's a thinly veiled excuse to be like, "Well, I owe him." Nobody, nobody says, "Hey, man, I owe you," and feels that strongly about it. That's right, that's right. true. Yeah. So my other, my other thought, and this goes back to to it, like, so you feel a certain way about a thing that happened in the story, Casey. Is there a way that the story can recover and make it seem like the events of it are valid? Not valid. Valid's the wrong word. You know what I mean necessary let's say necessary 
like, would I have done anything different? Is that what you're saying? Or no, can it's like, we'll say like we read some stuff in the next like two or three books. Is there stuff that could happen that you would sort of change your mind on what has happened already? Absolutely. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying like, fuck this book, I'm done, I'm canceling (laughs) it. Like, no, I'm not saying that at all. And like, generally, I don't have a problem with books that deal with things that I deem to be problematic. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless it's like Twilight and it never actually addresses it, it's problematic. <laughs> but like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and I, you know, again, Catherine and Michael are great writers. Like, I trust yeah. them. I know that, like, I, we have half of a book series left to go. I'm totally open to anything happening at this point because it's fucking Everworld. Um, yeah. But Multi-E. I just, I will say that I just, I kind of felt gross reading this book. And I think that was, a lot of that was just being in Christopher's head for so long. Um, however, I am kind of subscribing to this, this thing where maybe he was secretly in love with Ganymede, like yeah, you said, Alex, yeah, cause yeah. like, you're right. Like he would not like the whole, like, Oh, well I owed him. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that feels like, like bullshit to me. And I thought it was maybe like doing the whole, like, Oh, we're at a war and like the brothers in arms, blah, blah, blah. But no, like the way he's acting, it's like, that doesn't really make sense either. So. And like Christopher had the exact same situation happen to him and Christopher dismissed it immediately. Like you could argue any one of them had a very similar sort of situation, but Christopher and David are the one that had like the same sort of level. And I think David is dealing with it in a way that, this guy died and that's bad. And it's like, you know, he, he saved my life and like, I feel bad that I couldn't save him, but Christopher has the realistic approach, which is very, it's normally Christopher's approach to be realistic about that. So that's, that's another reason why I think it's just hitting. Mm -hmm. Weird, but yeah, this is part of the reason that I love doing this, like coming on this show and talking about these books is because it's like, Whenever I read stuff, I tend to read it very surface level. Like, I just, like, this is what has happened. Like, it did not occur to me that that Ganymede, like, had been basically bridged. But then we have these conversations, and it's like the story just gets, like, I don't know, there's a lot more levels to Mm -hmm. it now. That's, Casey's very good at that. And the other thing that Casey's very good at is identifying the tropes that I don't, Right. Necessarily. Because, like, I, if, if you put it black and white for me, I can be like, oh, yeah, that's a trope. Like, I can recognize yeah. that. But, like, I'll buy into it so easily with mm-hmm. the slightest dressing up. So, like, <laughs> yeah, like, having the one gay character get killed, like, that's a huge and problematic trope. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you put it plainly like that, it's like, oh, yeah, that fucking right. sucks, dude. <laughs> like, 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 what are you talking about with your trees, Casey? There's just a bunch of forest here. Right, exactly. Like, this is, this is yeah, me. I see the forest. You know? and you're like, oh, shit, that's made of trees? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I don't know, man. I just watch a lot of, like, media analysis video essays on YouTube. <laughs> I just, I don't feel as bad as the time that they slaughtered the sheep at fuck with the fucking uh at Loki's castle yeah. and you're like yeah obviously and Tim and I are both like <laughs> it's a metaphor oh, <laughs> <yeah>. no. <laughs> that's when I was like wow I'm super oh. dumb <laughs> no no I'm just a buzzkill <laughs> no you're not I'm too deeply into things no uh, no I love it I, love it. I was like 
this book is so deep now that uh, Casey has explained it to yeah. me. <laughs> it's pretty much what it I is. Know. <laughs> Casey explains it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, that's too funny. Uh, can't wait for April book. Oh yeah. my God. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Christopher, my takeaways are can't wait for April book. Um, Christopher still sucks. Mm-hmm. But there's a light and we're in a tunnel. So. I Yeah. I really want Christopher's entire story to become about the redemption arc of believing in Ganymede so hard that he brings it back. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. And then they ride off together. Into the sunset on... Into the sunset. The ponies they bought from the dwarves. Yes. <laughs> the little sugar foots. The little sugar feet. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Fucking Christopher. I just want to get out of his head for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad place. It's a, it can be a really hard read. Like, genuinely. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, also, we have seen Ka'anor. We had our first Ka'anor oh, sighting. Yeah. What the fuck? I like how that was totally overshadowed yeah, I know. by other <laughs> shit. <laughs> this fucking guy. Because I don't, did I see don't. I don't. I feel like we maybe even got a little bit of a, a Wizard of Oz Kaanor. Mm. Like maybe uh, there's a there's a we got the show Kaanor. Yeah. And it might be like a different Kaanor who we're gonna end up meeting later because this was this was a dramatic just <laughs> world eating blob. He's just yeah. He's a big animatronic instead. It's just like pulling levers. <laughs> uh. Actually, I love that. <laughs> They're just at like a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Welcome oh to Connor's Dominion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>, nightmare! <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I I feel like like I think you just summed up the book sort of perfectly. That we, you know, talked for a really long time about Christopher and Ganymede, and then we're just like, oh yeah, and by the way, the whole villain of the book series was there for the first time. <laughs> we did see the- a little bad. That being said, if I had to rank like villains of the book with actual villain, like vileness villainous, Mr. Trent would be like higher than Kaanor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like Everworld is just like a big metaphor for the stuff that like teenagers go through as they're growing up. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the real life stuff. So, you know, I almost called him Victor Trent. Mr. Trent is a. <laughs> I think we a, all know it's Victor Trent. Yeah, he's a <laughs> real life actual problem. Uh, yeah. Whereas a lot of the Everworld stuff is just metaphor for growing up and stuff that you're dealing with. Whoa. Yeah. And like. Again, I don't think I would peg this as a child, but, like, reading it now, it's, like, yeah, we can always think of, like, the, oh, big, bad, scary D&D villain. It's a gelatinous yeah. cube with a bunch of eyes and it teeth, and it <laughs> absorbs things, like, oh, no. But then it's, like, yeah, there's also this motherfucker that's sitting in this town, like, trying right. to take away people's rights and, like, yeah. being a fucking racist piece of shit. And you're, yeah. like, that's the actual problem, though. Yeah. <laughs> Are we ready for a seven-minute outro? Yeah. Fantastic. What do we talk about in this book? Huh? Um, if you think Kaanor is a smokescreen, mm. mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Email, email us. us. Anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook at Animorphs Anonymous or Apple Grand Book Club. Or find our super secret, super awesome subgroup, the Andalite Bandalites. You can also message that to us on Twitter at Animorphs Anon or Apple Grand Book Club. Or on Instagram at Animorphs Anonymous or Apple Grand Book Club. I'm pretty sure that's Apple Grand Book Cast. Is that what it is? Why do I not know I don't, this one ever? Listen, sometimes projects can get all the social handles just fine and we're not one of those people. We're not one of those. <laughs> so just fucking Google it. <laughs> we'll we'll pop up somewhere. Just look at Animorphs Anonymous. It's easier. Yeah. At, at Remo Beware on Twitter. Yeah. And then I'll just I'll I'll point you to the right place. Just, yeah. yeah tell me tell me what you need. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Well, uh, well, and if you still can't find it, you should come to our Discord server, and we'll. We'll find it for you. We'll make Jeff Google it. Yeah. And then you can also hang out with us and post memes and, and pet pictures and talk about the books and talk about whatever you, whatever you want. And uh, hit us up on our socials. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait. You, you, if you fucking try. Fucking try to hit us up on our socials. <laughs> this is a challenge now. No, just get just go to Animorphs Anonymous on Twitter or Animorphs yeah. Anonymous on Facebook or yeah. Animorphs Anonymous on Instagram and do it there. It'll yeah. be fine. What or Remo first? Beware on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm here to help. I'll be your Sherpa guide. Ask Tim. He's going like to be a sheep and he's going to guide you. <laughs> yeah, be your sheepy guide. I I am surprised how much, how many people are into Everworld on the Discord. I did not expect that we would have that many people that like had read the series and was talking about it it blows me away mm-hmm. every time mm-hmm. so. uh but uh, listen i'm fucking sick of talking to people yeah. i just want to read quietly to myself okay you could read all every book in the world or yeah but i only want one <laughs> just, just one thing all right well let's see if i can recommend one thing I did just reread all of it last night, and I was like, well, this this isn't bad. It's pretty good. Uh, Anyway, it's a webcomic that I make and draw. It's called Beside You. It takes place in the early 2000s. It's romance. It's very cute, and there's no gruesome, horrible deaths in it. So uh, you can read that for free at bsideyoucomic.com. You can read it on top of some webtoons. And if you're like, hey, this is cool. I like that there's no gruesome deaths in it let's make money happen in Casey's face. Uh, you can go to Patreon and support me making the comic. And that's at patreon.com slash KCD studios. Yes. Spoilers for B-side you. No gruesome deaths. Oh shit. That is a spoiler, isn't it? Oh no. If you want more spoilers for B-side you, then sign up for Casey's Patreon for, uh, $9,426 per month. And you can listen to the Slater cast where Dan and I talk about the best character on the show, Slater, on the show, on the book, Slater. And also we say spoilers, just some of them at random, not any logical order. We'll just yell spoilers <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Tim, I know I can find you at Remo Beware, but where else could I possibly find you? Horsegirls.club. It's because I do a podcast called Horse Girls with some other people you may have heard of. Famous Jana? 
Famous Jenna. Exactly oh, who I was it. talking about. Famous yeah. Jenna. Famous Jenna. Yeah, not Alex, no. the person that I'm talking to. I was talking <laughs> about Famous Jenna. <laughs> uh, or you can find me uh, on another podcast called Late Starters. It's Pokemon TTRPG, and it's delightful. It's a ton of fun. I do it with both of these fine people. It is a goddamn delight. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. <sighs> You're like, I've had enough podcasts about child war. I need something a little bit lighter. Then that's the one for you. And then it'll be like a little palate cleanser. And then you'll be ready for more podcasts about child war. (laughs) Oh, no. We have to stop letting Scott advertise. (laughs) (laughs) So good, Shit. I guess I should talk about my child war podcast, huh? Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, if you guys want to hear more about child war, no, uh, I am on a podcast slash Twitch stream called uh, Dungeons and Dragon Beams, which is an Animorphs D&D game. It's awesome. I do it with famous Jenna from Horse Girls and Nate and Austin, the most southern man on the planet. Mm -hmm. It's true. That's. That's not true. Geographically, I'm I'm south. No, no, no. Accent wise, accent. Oh wise. no. Okay, actually, yeah. very Deepest. true. Very true. Very yeah. true. Very he true. has the most southern accent of anyone I've ever heard. Yes. Sometimes I can't understand him, and he can't understand me because I'm from Canada. <laughs> if southern <laughs> accents were an ocean, he'd be the Marianas Trench. Yes. That's yes. how this southern is he is. Yes. Yeah. It's buck wild so if you've ever wanted to be confused about a dial or a dowel or an aisle or an owl <laughs> come listen to dungeons and dragon beefs <laughs> it's also just a very fun good show yeah uh and if you want to listen to another podcast that has a bunch of fine people that i work with like tim and famous jenna and m swan a swan named emily good fucking luck because the prize Dag book club comes at you out of fucking nowhere where is it we don't know when is it you don't know surprise tag but it comes out in this feed, so you might let's do it. <laughs> you, you can't tell them it's a surprise and then tell them where it's going to come from. That's not how surprises work. It came out in this feed. I never said it would continue to come out in this feed. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Surprise that's back. true. You'll yeah, never we know. Won't, we won't tell them that it, it definitely will. Yeah. I or mean, here's the it. fun thing about Surprise Stack Book Club. It might not, and we don't know because we don't have a plan. It's a surprise attack on us. I was the surprise all along. That was the surprise all along. The, the best part of Surprise Stack Book Club is every time we're like, hey, what was the plan? We're like, we don't know. We just show up and yeah, record a podcast. 100% accurate. <sighs> Every episode, we're like, how do we start this? We just keep using our different show intros. It depends on who yeah. introduces the episode. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the roaming legendary Pokemon of podcasts. Yes. yes. Oh, it's great. I love it. So yeah, those are, those are my podcasts. Other than the hiatus ones, those are, those are them. Sweet. Well, now what do we do? We thank oh. everybody for being committed to the show. <laughs> 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 <laughs>